everybody. How's everyone? Good. Thanks, Cathy. <clears throat> There's somebody here anyway. Um, great to be in Hope. Great to be uh, well, friends, young and old. Um, I haven't had one of these. It's, it's a lot more to do when you're speaking as opposed to when you're just playing an instrument. So please bear with me tonight. Um, I want us to explore one of my favorite times in the church calendar, one of my favorite uh, stories, and, and something that's really integral to my own um, to my own journey of faith, I guess. So I know it's still early, but if you'll forgive me, can we start talking about Christmas? The toy, sh- the toy show is over. So we can do it? Adele? Yeah? Okay. So we're in Advent. This is the time in, in the church calendar where it's a time of reflection and time of waiting. But just to get us into the festive mood, before I go a little bit, before I go any further, I want you to take a look at this. Okay. I'll just get back because it's a bit of a shameless plug for Sainsbury's, but I just thought it was funny. Okay, got nothing to do with what I'm saying apart from the fact that it has Christmas in its name or in the Christmas jumpers, okay? I want to start with a reading from Matthew 1, and I'm sure it's something that you're all familiar with. Um, we've all sat through nativity plays or been stars in them, you know? Mary, I know I wasn't Mary, sorry. But um, let's, uh, let's read from Matthew chapter 1. I'm in charge of this, I keep forgetting. <laughs> this is how... The birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Remember that. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. This passage sets the scene for where I hope we can journey briefly this evening. This is a wonderful retelling of the birth uh, of how the birth of Jesus came about, commonly referred to in church circles as the incarnation, which is basically a fancy way of saying in flesh or of flesh, which is the passage in 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 Matthew that we read. Um, it ends with Matthew quoting the prophet Isaiah, stating, "You will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us." So, my question tonight really is, why does it matter? What's the big deal? What's the big deal with the birth of Jesus? Why is this part of the story so important? Now you have to bear in mind, I can't answer like a scholar. I can't answer even like a somebody who does this very often. So I'm speaking tonight one friend to another. I hope that's okay. And I really want to share why it's of importance to me. And why I love this season so much. And ultimately it goes back to really why I have a hope and why I have a faith. And it can be summed up simply by the fact that I really can't explain Jesus away. Many parts of scripture can be frustrating if you read them. Some of them are confusing, difficult to understand. Some parts we need to take issue with and wrestle with and work through. But this is a season 
where we get to celebrate and reflect on the birth of Jesus. And this is so significant to my personal story uh, of faith. And it's kind of like the first act in the two acts that I think are central to most people's faith. But we don't really see it like that. The second being the death, uh, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that really comes back to, in, for, for my faith, I can't explain Jesus away. Larry King, he's a top, well, he's a top, I was going to say he's retired now, but he's a, he's a US TV presenter and interviewer, and he is to America what Pat Kenny is to us over here, but he's a little bit more entertaining, he's not going to make you fall asleep. So he's interviewed popes and pop stars and presidents, and he was once asked, Larry, is there one person you'd like to interview that you never got to? And he said, yeah, Jesus. He was like, why Larry? And he goes, well, because if he was who he says he was, and there really was a virgin birth, then that changes absolutely everything. This is the beautiful painting. You might be familiar with it. Michelangelo created. It's called The Creation of Adam. It's painted at the start of the 15th century. You didn't think when you were coming to Hope tonight I'd start talking about Michelangelo, so forgive me. (laughs) It was painted at the start of the 15th century, and it's hanging, it's not hanging, because it's on the roof of the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican. It's a beautiful painting. I don't know about you, but for me, I've had this view of God for a very long time. God up in the sky, the cosmic finger, ready at a moment's notice to bring the the smack down on us. God up there, us down here. Am I the only person who has a view of God like that? That's the view that I have. A comedian once referred to God as his mother's cheapest babysitter. God as a threat. God as judge and jury. God who we communicate through sacrifice. Angry God. God who we deal with through intermediaries and go-betweens. God who's detached. God who's removed. Abstract. Unrelatable to me. But wait. Enter a baby. Enter a baby in a manger. Enter Jesus. So back to my question. Why does it matter? What's the point of a baby? What's the point of a baby in the manger? Is it just a cute story? Now, I know the appeal of a newborn baby. It's pretty... It's like a magnet. People are drawn to a baby. We've had friends who've just recently had a kid. Uh, Emma's brother, <coughs> Kieran and Lucy, they've recently had a baby. And what is it about people? They just hover around babies. The baby doesn't even need to be born yet, but people hover around expectant mothers. Some of them rub their bellies, which is a weird thing that I can never understand. But so... Is this just a baby thing? Are people just going, ah, it's a baby? Or is it that there's something more at stake? I don't know. I think we need to investigate a little bit further. But I do think that there's something more at stake. Fred Schmidt said the following. He said, if God had not bothered to tell us that we are beloved by entering into our lives, then we are stuck with the architect of the cosmos living at a comfortable, divine arm's length from the chaos. Nicely celebrated at the opening of Parliament and at football games, but no earthly good. You see, this changes everything. No longer is God an abstract idea, best explained through a painting. But no longer is God the angry man in the sky. What we have with the birth of Jesus is that no longer do we see God as the master puppeteer pulling all the strings. This This is a God that we can relate to. A God that we can better understand. No longer is God the preserve of the few, but this is a God accessible to all. God is with us. A baby. Something that we can all relate to. 
A stable, something coaches can relate to. A stable isn't fancy as well. I think we have this really, and by the way, it could be a stable, it could be a cave, it could be a lower room. There are animals around. We're going to say stable because everyone understands it. But. So, it isn't fancy. It isn't a very clean labor ward. It probably had a particular smell. Has anyone been on a farm? That's a silly question. Has anyone been on a real farm where there's a real, where you have to muck out stuff? Yeah, there's probably a smell. It probably would have been chaos. It probably would have been cold. So the way God decides to show up in the world says a lot about who he is. The incarnation of the Son of God uniting earth to heaven makes a statement. And what a statement it was. What a message of intent. We read in Philippians 2, verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, I don't think the humbling that the, the, the scriptures talk about began at the cross. I think it began at the stable. If you're God, you decide to enter into the world, you probably want chariots, you probably want trumpets, you probably want carpet, central heating. No, you come as a stable, in a stable, as a baby, helpless, vulnerable, in need of care. What does that say about the God who wants to make the effort to relate to each and every one of us? God is with us. The intersection of the kingdom of God with earth for me is the central most point of my faith, along with the story that we celebrate at Easter. This is the opening act, if you will, in the two-act scene, and that's what I want you to see it as tonight. When we think Christmas, we think, ah, oh, baby, Santa, selection boxes, toy show. When we think of Christmas in the church context, I really like us to reframe how we think about it in the context of, this is so important to my faith. You see, my faith rests on Jesus being who he said he was. And this scandalous story, this scandalous Christmas story of God made flesh, the incarnation, is Jesus' promise to the world of a world transformed. Where God gets sleeping and frightened shepherds, people just like me and you, to jump up and run. Talk about an upside down kingdom. A baby, totally helpless, totally dependent. Then we read in John chapter 1 where it's the word made flesh. This is Christ, the anointed one, holy, divine, the Lord. What a miracle. When most of us think of gods, I think we would prefer them to be a little stronger. I think we would prefer them to be a little more robust, a little more... But it's a baby. Amy Becker puts it beautifully like this when she says, Jesus may have preferred to stay away from this world of stables and carpentry and crucifixion. But the incarnation shows me that God's love is an abstract. It's as concrete as a baby in a manger, as a young man in a temple and as a rabbi on a cross. This is why we all need some time. That's why we can't rush into selection boxes and singing carols. We can't rush into lists for gifts of gifts we want from Santa or your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter, whoever. This is why we mustn't rush through December. I think this is partly why the church calendar has this period we call Advent. Maybe before the 12 pubs of Christmas, maybe before the festivities, the turkey, the ham, the mince pies, the brandy butter... 
Mince pies and brandy butter. Mm. Before all of that, before school plays, before work dues, we need to stop. We need to reflect for a minute. This is why we need Advent. So the arrival of baby Jesus is God entering into our world. He's entering into our condition so that we can enter into his. He bridges this unbridgeable gap by emptying himself. We're saved by the incarnation. The word becoming flesh. See, it begins with a baby in a stable. It begins with a baby in a stable. Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5 reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, and brackets, and daughters. You see, it begins with a baby in a stable. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. You see, folks, it begins with a baby in a stable. There's a verse in scripture, one of the key verses you have to learn if you're in any way interested in telling people uh, about your faith, apparently. It's like one of the things you need to know. It's one of the things you need to you need to get a pass in before you can move on to higher level faith. I'm joking. But it's one of the most often quoted verses in scripture. And I think sometimes we quote it and we say it in a really unhelpful and threatening way. This is a verse I'd like us to see in the context of Advent, in the light of incarnation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, folks, this begins with a baby in a stable. But the hope of Christmas God is with us. The hope is not that we see just a baby in a stable. It begins with a baby in a stable, but it kind of ends the story with a saviour on a cross. See, it's not about the baby, and we need to reframe how we view Christmas in that light with this scripture, for God so loved the world. That's, that's my fate wrapped up. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. This is the hope for the world, but it starts with a baby in a stable. You're going to hear me say that a bit more, so sorry in advance. See, Christmas is the celebration of God giving the world his only son. God coming in human form to start in motion his plan to reconcile or to bring back together for once, for all, each and every one of us, to make us part of his family. You see, in Jesus we are brought into the heart of God. Because God came to us. God is with us. Emmanuel. This season is so important to me. Because when we celebrate God coming into the world, as we read in Matthew one twenty one, to save his people from their sins, we get to sing that hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But it starts with a baby in a stable. The real beauty of the mystery of Christmas is, is totally wrapped up in that, that we're all part of God's family in light of what happened at Christmas and then what happened 33 years later. Ephesians 2 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. 
And the writer Paul is talking about the, the sufficiency of Christ and he's talking about how there's no longer clean and unclean. He's talking about how now we're all part of God's family. We're all part of the household of God. Verse 13 reads this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Let's read it again. But now in Jesus, the Jesus who came to earth in the form of a baby in a stable, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. You see, it all began with a baby in a stable. God is with us. Advent confronts the corrosion of our hearts with the insistence that God has not abandoned the world, that hope is real, that something is coming and that something is Jesus. It's a really, really fun time of year. It's a really exciting time. You get to see people that you haven't met for a long time. If you're anything like me, you love the food, the food, the food, everything. But I think sometimes we lose sight of of kind of what it's all about or why we have to celebrate it. Or or what's the point? Do we just see it as a nativity play where everyone's in dressing gowns? Everybody in a dressing gown if you're a kid at a school play. There's tea towels on everyone's head. And it's hilarious. (laughs) I love going to school plays because they're hilarious and people don't, they take them so seriously, don't they? Kids are like, I'm Joseph. I was that kid probably. I'm sure I was. Thank God my mother isn't here to tell stories. But I think sometimes with the busyness, the stress of it all, actually a lot of times people in this room, it's the service that you're doing. You're helping out at a carol service. You're helping out on a soup run. You're doing hampers. You're doing, you get caught up in it all and it's amazing. But maybe for one minute we can just pause and see the context of Christmas in light of the cross. And understand that it all began with a baby in a stable. Tonight, I'd really want you to go home with one concept, one idea, one really simple thought. That Christmas is God's great, a big attempt through Jesus to make you part of his family. The scene is deliberate, smelly, unassuming stable. The humility expressed is letting us know that God isn't far away and removed, but accessible and close by. Because he came. God is with us. Dotted in homes and shops around Christmas time, mentioned on festive ads on the telly, written on Christmas cards that we send our loved ones. Although we don't really do that anymore, do we? Christmas cards. The cost of postage is not the problem. Three words keep cropping up. Sometimes even they make it onto Christmas trees, like in our house, where we have these words that we put on our tree. I think those words are extra meaningful at Christmas. Joy, peace, and hope. The good thing about me speaking about it now, and nobody lynching me, this early in the season, is this. I hope it gives us all an opportunity to reframe our view of Christmas over the next couple of weeks. I hope it gives us an opportunity to look at our, our situation that we're in and look at these words in the light of the next couple of minutes. Can you do me all a favor? When you see joy dotted around your home or in your office or in the town somewhere, around the telly or on the radio or you hear it, remember that the joy of Christmas is the baby Jesus. 
but not as a baby Jesus. The starting point of God's plan to make us all part of his family. The plan lived out gives us all an incredible life. Hebrews 12 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy reframed. You see, it all began with a baby in a stable. Can you do me another favor? When you see the word peace, sorry, that was the best peace I could come up with. Remember, Jesus is the starting point of the greatest act of reconciliation we could ever know. We read earlier Paul writing in Philippians, and he puts it so beautifully. You who were once far away have been brought near. By who? By Jesus. For he himself is our peace. This can be a real time of stress. I think Christmas is sometimes really stressful. I have to have that as perfect I have to get all my work done before Christmas. I have to wash the, wash the car before Christmas is a thing we all have to do now, apparently. Even you burn out your car, you have to make sure you get it washed Christmas Eve. I have to get enough, house, I have to get enough food into the house because the shops are only going to be closed for a whole day. I have to make sure we have our Christmas outfit, Christmas pajamas. Stress. <laughs> it's also a time that can be really expensive for people. It's also a time where some people remember their loved ones and remember the ones that aren't here to celebrate it this year. It can be a really difficult time for people. Know this. He is our peace. When you celebrate and you see peace, remember this. You who are far away have been brought in here. You who are once strangers are now part of his family, for he is our peace. It all started with a baby in a stable. And it's not an earthly peace either, by the way. It's a peace which surpasses all understanding. You see, it all began with a baby in a stable who is Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. And finally, when you see hope this Christmas, can you do me a favor? Remember that the all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe, he didn't remain unrelatable. He didn't remain austere. He didn't remain like Michelangelo puts in his painting with the finger coming down to us. He became one of us. Is it Joan Osborne has the song, What if God was one of us? Well, here's your answer, Joan. He was one of us. Began with a baby in a stable, you see. You see, when you see hope this Christmas, remember that God cared enough to come into our world, giving up the trappings of heaven. You see, he is with us in the person of Jesus, and we are not alone. I want to wrap up, but I want to finish with an amazing passage from Romans chapter 15. It says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think Peterson's, Eugene Peterson, he wrote the message, which is a paratranslation of the, the scriptures. He put it even more powerfully when he said this. Oh, may the hope of God, the God of hope, sorry, fill you with joy, fill you up with peace, so that your believing lives, filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit, will brim over with hope. 
joy, peace, and hope. It all began with a baby in a stable. C.S. Lewis said the Son of God became a man so that men could become the sons of God. It all began with a baby in a stable. I really hope this Christmas that you're full of joy. I really hope you walk in peace. I really hope your homes brim over with hope. I'd like us to pause for a moment if we can. And then I'll close in prayer. Oh, may the God of hope fill you up with joy. Fill you up with peace. So that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. He is our peace, folks. He's our joy. He's our hope. Tonight, I have hope because God cared enough. Emmanuel, God, is with us. When you see joy, when you see peace and hope around this Christmas, think of this. God has a plan to make you part of his family. And it all began with a baby in a stable. Father God, we invite you. Not that we need to invite you, you're already here. For we invite you into our lives and our homes this Christmas. We invite you into our situations, our worries and our stresses. Thank you that your master plan is to make each one of us part of your family through Jesus. May we know your hope, your joy, and your peace this Christmas. And may we walk in it not only this season, but in every season of our lives. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys.